0: Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show, still down in Scottsdale for spring training, and I've got another quick conversation, this time with Kyle Freeland. Much like with Charlie Blackman, it sort of begins with remembering the early days of spring training, and then we do a little bit of branching out and looking forward as well. Really love talking to Kyle. It's always great to meet up with him. Uh, After all these years, it's funny, it seems like it wasn't that long ago he was the young guy coming up through the system, and now he's kind of in that veteran role, having done this for a little while, right? And he's coming off of a really interesting season for him. It was obviously a tough one for the entire organization, and I think in a lot of ways, Kyle was kind of a microcosm of... The frustrations, but also still being able to kind of tilt your head and look at, you know, so, okay, ultimately he puts up an ERA plus of 100, exactly 100. So he was league average as a pitcher last season, right? There's only one year of his career where he was below that league average. You all remember in 2019 when he really struggled after he had been so great in 2018 and ended up having to go down to the minors, do some adjustments, right? But every other year of his career, he's been above that 100, except for last year where he was right at it. He's also mostly been healthy throughout his career. And while he was the most healthy pitcher of the rotation last year with guys like obviously Marquez and Sensatella going down for much longer term and Noah Davis and Ryan Feltner going down for much longer term. Freeland dealt with his injuries last year as well. Multiple stents on the IL, finished the season on the IL, which is not what he wants. He also got some of the lowest run support of anybody in Major League Baseball last year. Now, Kyle Freeland and this isn't just my analysis of this. This would be easy for me to say as a fellow Colorado guy who's known him since he was a very young man, right? To say he's a tough competitor, he's mentally strong and and we all know that. We all know that that's true. We watched him outduel John Lester, the winningest pitcher in postseason history in Wrigley Field right? We know that Kyle's a competitor when he steps onto the golf course, right? He doesn't really turn it off. But the grind of a 162-game season, when your ball club is losing the vast majority of the games, obviously, when you're not on the hill. And remember, for the first couple of months of the season, the Rockies had, whoever their fifth rotation starter was, whether it was Irania or LaMette, was statistically the worst starter in baseball right? And so Kyle at the front of the rotation, he was almost always getting the ball the next day after a big tough loss where the bullpen probably had to work four or five innings, right? So no matter how he was doing, how he was feeling, there was, I know he put so much pressure on himself to try to go out there and win every single ball game last year. And then on top of that, to not get any run support, to have that kind of, whack-a-mole situation where, quite frankly, one of the ways the Rockies could have avoided 100 losses last year is if they had just sequenced their runs better, scoring when Kyle Freeland was pitching. Because by and large, especially in the first half of the year, he pitched pretty well. And they just didn't play well enough behind him to win any ball games. And I know that that kind of grinded him down, and I think it had to do something to do with the way the season ended. This is one of those touchy-feely sort of baseball analysis things, but I do get the sense that had the year been more competitive, Kyle would have been better, if that makes any sense. I think it's not not that you mentally give in or that kind of thing, but I think it just on anybody, the grind would wear you down, and I think it did with Kyle a bit last year. I'll be very curious to see if he can have uh it's interesting to call it a bounce back year because he had a down year by his numbers right his career uh excuse me era plus is 112. it had been sitting kind of around 117 before this down year last year so i'll be very curious to see if he can bounce back a little bit from all of that but like just about everybody in spring training he was in a great mood Uh, he, he really did take some time out to talk to me which i really appreciated so Just for a little bit of setup here, this conversation took place right after my conversation with Charlie Blackman at Kyle's Locker in the clubhouse. And if you hear some yelling or maybe a little bit of singing in Spanish in the background, that is National League All-Star Game MVP catcher Elias Diaz having a little bit of fun. And if you speak Spanish, maybe you got a scoop here because I don't know what he was saying. But thank you all uh, for listening into this. Without further ado, here's Kyle Freeland. What do you remember most about your your first time at spring training?
1: I remember um, when I first got the call that I was going to be invited to spring training. Um, Zach Wilson called me. I was living with Jeff Hoffman at the time. We got the got the call at the same time, pretty much. we were both told that we we're going to be going to our first big league camp. I remember where I was sitting. I remember, you know, you you feel like you're in the big leagues. You know, when you when you come into your first big league camp, you know. You got big leaders around you. You're in the nice big clubhouse. You're working out on the on the big fields in the stadium, stuff like that. A um, little intimidating as well. I mean, you're. I was 22 at the time, um, and yeah, ner- nerves were going. Um, but it was like super exciting, knowing that you know you're you're moving in the right direction, yeah. and, and and you're excited to you know get your first outing. Against, against big league hitters and stuff like that, but uh, it's, it's, it can be a little intimidating.
0: Was there anyone in the clubhouse in particular? Because I can remember when I first started covering the team, It was pretty young. I wasn't yet intimidated by guys like you or Nolan just yet. Yeah. But Cargo, when I walked in, I said, like, oh, "Cargo's Gonzalez." Yeah. You know, I was like, "So was there anyone that you had that kind of?"
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Cargo is one of them. Um, you know, seeing Charlie, uh, Nolan, DJ. Yeah. Um, I know at the time that was my first my first big camp was the year Story broke with the team, so I, I knew a lot about uh, Trevor. and knew that he was you know one of our top prospects, you know incredible talent yeah. uh, on the infield and and, and in the box. Like those guys were like the the intimidating kind of like I watched you on TV. Mm-hmm. Now we're sharing a clubhouse together and we're sharing sharing a field together. Um, yeah. The, the, that at the time, you know, those guys in our clubhouse, they still are superstars. But yeah. uh, you, know, you, you walk in, you know, the realization of kind of in the big leagues yeah. right now. It's kind it of their you. team right yeah. now.
0: Now that's that's your team. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's so cool. Um, as far as competition on the field goes, you know, obviously a major league debut is a big moment. But that's not the first time you face big league yeah. competition. So what do you remember about
1: that part? of it? Yeah, I think I was. I think I had my first outing in camp. I think it was in Goodyear against, is it Cincinnati, Cleveland, Milwaukee, something like that. Um, And I believe I threw the fourth inning, something like that. And I remember, you know, got got ready way too early in the bullpen, was way too excited, was giddy to get out there. I remember, you know, getting getting on the mound and just, just thinking, like, you, you got to do great like you, like you don't want your first true kind of like big league outing to go to go south you want you want to feel that success immediately and, and build off that and you know i had a good outing i think i got um a couple strikeouts uh I mean, gave up to give a base hit but you know o- overall it was a good outing uh, felt really good looked really good um but it was nice you know having that success and then come and sit in the dugout and just kind of breathe yeah and be like all right I got I got that over with and then uh <laughs> sure enough I think it was like three days later uh, got sent down to the minor leagues <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, wow. <laughs> but uh but no it was it was a good first taste and then I was fortunate to get called back up to make a spot start later in camp um and start a game uh, I think it was against the Dodgers um, yeah. here at home. So that, it, it was cool getting getting, the, getting my feet wet initially that first year.
0: Were there any at-bats that, like, against big league guys, maybe against the Dodgers, whatever, where you, you hung in there or maybe you got the punch and you were like, oh, man, I just struck out. I'm oh,
1: Justin Turner, so I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think um, when I made that start against the Dodgers in 16. I'm
0: going to say, because by that time, they probably were rolling out their their lineup. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're it, definitely it the, the guys, I right? can not
1: remember specifically.
0: Any he said probably just the hitter. general experience of, yeah. the of the Dodgers. Yeah, and I mean, was,
1: this is real. Yeah, I mean it was, right. it was kind of a whirlwind of, of, of emotions of, of like I'm getting a big league like, start to spring training. Yeah. Um, That's the time. Yeah. Um, I, I, the highest I've pitched to this point is high A. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I don't remember any specific instances. But yeah, I remember like. I'm facing the Los Angeles
0: Dodgers right now. I mean, I thought it was really interesting with Amador and Palmquist in particular the other night because those are the defending National League champions in person with yeah. Palmquist. And that is was like, it's a line. that like, tell them, hey, that's
1: Christian yeah. Walker, right? Yeah. Those are the guys, so... Yeah. That's, I think, a, it's got to be a wild experience. Yeah, you, you, you know the situation that you're in, especially with, like, uh, Pump was the other day, you know, going up against a team that was just in the World Series a few months ago um, and, and rolling out more than likely what their starting nine is going to look like on, a, yeah. on opening day, um, and he had great success. Yeah. He, he, he did a really good job. He got in a couple of jams, but he was able to work out of it and keep his composure.
0: And then the, the last one for you now, especially because you're uh, maybe the guy on this side of it, were there guys that those first camps that, uh, or any particular memorable experience where someone maybe pulled you aside and said, here's what I think you're doing well, or, or gave you a particularly good piece of advice? Uh, yeah, uh,
1: you know, Chad Bettis was one of those guys. Um, he, he was always always there for whoever. Um, yeah. he's, he's one of those guys that when he was in the game was always looking to learn, always trying to help guys learn, um, always looked out for, for young guys. And, and, and was willing to help at any point. You could you could grab him at any time. Like, hey man, like, can you come look at video for me, or what do you think of this, or what you see in my pen? He's going to give you honest feedback. It could be uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, he he was always there, so he, he was one guy that you know my first camp was able to lean on. Jordan Lyles was another guy. Um, he was my throwing partner my first year um, in big league camp, so got to got to work with him a little bit. Obviously, he's. Made a hell of a career, yeah, out, out of himself, yeah. uh, get, getting jobs every single year, and, and being a horse for for teams eating up innings. So, being able to look, bounce some stuff off those guys and learn from them, my first camp was, was nice.
0: Okay, I lied. I do have one last one for yeah, you. Yeah. Just in general, the, the, how has the experience changed? Cause I was talking to uh, you know Sterling Thompson, and you can just you can see it, and and he should be that way. Yeah. Right? You should be that fired up and yeah, full of. Yeah, means you care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, but. It, it can't be that way every camp <laughs> yeah, No, a I while mean you,
1: you've... you definitely as as you work through more and more big league camps you, you get comfortable you know what your routine is you know what it, you, what it takes for you to get ready for the season so you're able to go into camp you already know like I already, I already know the steps I'm going to take yeah. I'm not worried about when I'm going to finish I'm not worried about you know trying to make a team I'm not worried about any of that it's proving more, yeah so I'm you know, prepping myself um, for, for the season, you know, at the same time, you, you want to keep that edge in your head of, like, I'm still competing to show that I am one of the guys in the rotation, I'm, you know, always competing to be the best that I can be, even though sprint training games don't really matter, it's all about prep, um, you always got to keep that edge in your head
0: you can't you i mean and i know that this is your <laughs> your career whatever yeah. but like you can't ever drop that competitive end, no right? yeah
1: if, if you this uh, i'm a firm believer if you ever stop caring or you're not getting excited for games you're not getting excited for outings like you're kind of you might be in it for the wrong reasons um you know, i got a lot of you peter i'm excited for that maybe, yeah. even though i'm facing my own guys um it, it's exciting i get i get to go out there and compete Yeah. Um, and then you know next friday uh, get to do the get to do the real thing yeah so I'm, I'm excited for those I'm you know buggy butterflies you know on friday before my start excited to do it still, still. at this time yeah it's great thanks Chandler's. kyle i yeah, appreciate it you. absolutely
0: all right thanks to kyle for taking the time Uh, as i was mentioning earlier it's hard to believe this is going to be his eighth season at the big leagues already carrying a career record of 55 and 65 and an era of 439 as i mentioned that's good for an era plus adjusted to the ballpark and era of 112 so he's been an above league average pitcher as we've talked about for a very long time Only that one year in 2018 where he was truly an elite, elite pitcher and probably should have finished second in Cy Young voting, which is a conversation we've had before. But I am very intrigued to see uh, what a guy like he can do at now age 30, right? Not only, of course, as we continue to have the ongoing conversation about all of Rocky's pitching and each one of these guys has more research for somebody like me to how does he compare to Aaron Cook and Jorge De La Rosa in terms of longevity, guys who have had those moments where they've been elite like Ubaldo Jimenez. We've also had this conversation, of course, with regards to Herman Marquez. But now that Kyle Freeland is on the other side of 30, right and the other part of of this of course is that he signed that contract extension a couple of years ago remember so he's one of the few guys on the team who really is locked in for the foreseeable future he's locked in completely for 24 25 and 26 and then he has an option that will vest for 2027 if in 2026, he pitches at least 170 innings, something he's done every year of his career, obviously pandemic caveat there, except for last year when, as I mentioned, he did have a couple of injuries, ended up around 155. So if he can continue to at least be pretty good for a long time, while in some ways, you might look back on you know that 2018 season and, and wonder, you know, Why is it that the guys like Cook, De La Rosa, and then you'd be putting Freeland into that category who get longevity, can't maintain eliteness? And the guys like Ubaldo, and of course, then we'll be having this conversation with Marquez on the flip side of it, who have had that elite level production, do they flame out earlier? So if Marquez can get longevity, that'll be an interesting uh, part of the research conversation as well. But we're entering a very interesting time for Kyle Freeland's career in general, as he no doubt is now one of the leaders of this team. I don't think there's any way anybody else is going to be the opening day starter if he's healthy. Uh, Kyle is the guy. He is the Rockies pitcher right now, especially with Marquez on the shelf. He really is the the Charlie Blackman of the rotation, right? And among all the pitchers, as much as you've got veterans, I know he's he's not playing in camp right now, but guys like Daniel Bard, who are still around, by the way, and by the way, Scott Oberg is around. uh, He's all over camp. He's been here helping with guys not 100% sure what the official capacity is there, but right, you have those guys around, but when it comes to the captain of the entire unit, that is what Kyle Freeland is for the pitching now at this point in his career, and I think that it's interesting because He's been around long enough that he does have a resume, but is still has a lot to prove in a lot of ways, right? And I, I think knowing that the competitor that he is. Uh, he's looking into try to at least get this year off to a much better start, and it'll be really interesting to see if he can have, as I mentioned earlier, a big bounce-back year, and what role he can play as this next wave of pitchers starts to come up. They aren't arriving yet, but a guy like Carson Palmquist, Joe Rock, and not just the lefties, but... You know, once they're back into the mix, guys like Gabriel Hughes, uh, Jordy Vargas, and uh, the draft pick, Chase Dollander, who's, you know, a fireballing righty, a very different thing from what Kyle Freeland is. But Kyle Freeland has spent a lot of time playing with John Gray, playing with Armand Marquez, and really leaning into this role of, he's got mountains tattooed on his arm, man. He's been a Rocky since long before he's been a Rocky But it's really cool to see him now stepping into this role, embracing all of that. And uh, I expect we're going to see a really good year on the mound from Kyle Freeland. So let's see what happens next. Of course, I can say all that. It's easy to be hyped in February and hope springs eternal and all of that. But you get the sense of a guy who's accomplished a, a lot, but still feels like he's got a chip on his shoulder for both himself and his team. Thank you so much for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all of the podcasts here on Mile High Sports and especially getting on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Whichever one of those is more your thing. I know that not each one is everybody's speed, but we're doing a lot of really fun short form videos. These one minute videos breaking down different topics, different players. I'm having a blast making them. Uh, People seem to be enjoying them. So if you haven't checked them out yet, If you're not on those, I do highly recommend and also really appreciate if you would check us out again on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Follow Mile High Sports and Drew Creasman on all that stuff. All right, that's enough of that. Thanks for listening in, and I'll have a bunch more of these coming your way from spring training. Until next time, you can continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creasman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball.